0: This is episode number 43 with Rod Drury of the Founder Podcast. Discover exactly what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur and what's possible through entrepreneurship from the greatest minds in business today. Welcome to the Founder Podcast. Here's your host, Nathan Chan. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. So thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your earbuds with me. I'm really, really excited to have you here and I'm really excited about today's guest, Rod Drury. He is the founder of Zero Accounting and Zero is an online accounting software that also helps manage your bookkeeping as well. And it's seriously next level accounting software. Like it it allows you to automate so much stuff. And we actually use it here at Founder. And I, I was really, really excited to speak with Rod because the guys at Zero there they are disrupting the accounting and financial space. And uh Rod is such an extremely switched on, super smart entrepreneur. And I took so much away from this interview, especially uh, how Rod just operates every single day and he talks about, you know, the speed of implementation and doing things extremely fast and leadership and you name it. Like the success that this company is having, it's a billion-dollar company. They've got over 475,000 paid customers. They're a listed company. I could go on, but there's a lot here. I'm really, really excited to share this interview with you because Rod is a really, really interesting founder. So that's it from me, guys. I hope you're enjoying these interviews. If you are, please do take the time to leave us a review. I'd love to hear from you. Please do shoot me an email, Nathan at FounderMag.com. I'm here to help. We're here to serve however we can, and I've got so much more coming your way. Now let's jump into the show. First of all, yeah, just thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, Rod. That's great. Good. Can you first tell us about how you got your job?
1: Well, I haven't had a job for uh, you know 15 plus years. I've been doing my own startups. I mean, all the business I've, I've done for the last few while, I've been one that I started. So um, it's never really felt like a job. But um, my first kind of, I guess, real work job was I started with Arthur Young, Cam Newton Young, the Cunningham. Yep. and um, I guess did a bit of internal entrepreneurship there, kind of worked out what I wanted to do, we ended up building our own software teams inside Ensign or EY as it's called now and then I um, ended up realising I really wanted to work, you know, I really wanted to work for a software company and there weren't any software companies around so we went and started our one back in the
0: mid-90s. I see and uh, what was that software company?
1: That uh, was uh, called Glazier Systems, we kind of uh, really exploited what was happening in Microsoft Windows back in those days,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: built a successful little consulting company around that, and then um, ended up selling that in the early nineties, and then that's when I started sort of doing my own businesses and investing, and and that sort of led to Zero.
0: I see, and and how did Zero come about? Can you give us a little bit of an insight?
1: Yeah, so you know, you kind of as you get more kind of experience, you see these big opportunities, and. We just saw this huge one coming. Was that you know the cloud was really compelling, and that small businesses was a very vast but fragmented market, and we saw it all coming together on the internet, which is a and small business computing is a real hybrid of traditional enterprise computing, but more consumer-like sales models, and so we just saw this massive opportunity. We realised that accounting was the killer app for small businesses, kind of the beachhead application. And um, that looked pretty sort of obvious to us. And then it was about raising um, enough capital to build a significant business. So we ended up in New Zealand. We didn't have a very sophisticated venture capital market at that time. And we needed 50 people from day one. That's half a million a month. And so we thought we needed about $15 million of funding, which was kind of outside what a normal VC round would be. So we ended up having to tell a big story. And we floated pretty much as a startup. So we had uh, virtually no revenue, and um, you know we listed from day one. So we're kind of, you know, we most startups are kind of private, and no one sees what's happened. We've been doing a startup in a public eye for the last uh, eight years.
0: Yeah, I know it. That now that's something I really want to unpack and touch on because it's it's fascinating. I understand that when you when you went IPO, you only had a hundred paying customers. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. First of all, I'd like to unpack, how did you guys get your first 100 paying customers? I think they were all blood relatives. So they were just friends and family, pretty much?
1: Yeah, no, probably. And, and, and a few really early adopter um, accountants who were just interested in what we were doing. And it's amazing. We had such little functionality back in the early days. Looking back, it's amazing. We managed to get off the ground. But, but we did, and we and we learned a lot. And we tried to give those early customers a really good experience and they felt like they were part of the journey. Many of them became shareholders, and and have done really well.
0: I'm sure you must have had a lot of doubters and and people telling you that it would be a bad idea to go IPO. So so early on in the piece, how did you handle your your other people doubting you? Did you have any self doubts yourself?
1: So yeah, there was lots of people who didn't really get it, and it seemed really like a big pain. There's lots of bits of accounting software. Because I've done three or four startups before, you said confidence and that you understand the industry, and you know. So I think you sort of build confidence and then a the courage to do things, and that's entrepreneurship, right? And I think as you sort of you know get through and do a few different things, that confidence grows. So I've never had any doubts about zero. So you know, it's not. I don't know. It's a, it's a surprise where we're at. It's more of a a relief that we're where we're at, but it's not a big surprise. So this is the logical. If we had have got it right, this is what should be happening. So now we're you know past US $100 million annualized revenue, over 1,000 staff, and uh, you know we're uh, you know, a multi-billion dollar business. It's pretty exciting.
0: I'm curious, when it came to raising capital for the business in the early days, you also attracted investors like Craig Winkler, Peter Thiel, how, how did you go about convincing them and what advice would you give to our audience around pitching investors and seeking capital?
1: I think I've always been really good at telling the story and letting people understand the scale of the story. So I think being a, being a clear thinker, being able to communicate and show passion and the experience has been key. And it tends to be pretty binary. You either can do that or you can't. So I think the key thing is to have people in the team that can really explain to investors, you know, why it's such a good idea, you've thought about the risk. And I think also, you know, I had a pretty strong track record. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd done a few really good things before and and um, had been seen to be successful before. So I think that, that was definitely a big part of it. So for, for early entrepreneurs, I think you treat entrepreneurship as a series of baby steps. With each one, you get a bit more capital, a bit more experience, you know, your network builds and you always find better ideas later anyway. So it's more about getting in the game, giving your investors a good good experience and that allows you to just go bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think this is my fourth one.
0: Mm. With early stage entrepreneurs, do you recommend seeking capital or bootstrapping from the ground up and, and I guess validating your concept first?
1: So it's not a choice, it's, it's what you can get. So if you can raise capital... Then you should raise capital. Often you can't, so you have to bootstrap. And there may be just some, you know, there's the odd once in a once in a blue moon business that doesn't require capital. and You can bootstrap, but it's more about, you know, the probably the first ones you'll have to, you know, bootstrap or do friends and family or take a loan or have parents pay, put the money in. And as you get more and more success, it gets easier to raise external money.
0: Now, with with your growth. Has there been any key factors that has allowed you to rapidly grow and scale the business that you'd like to mention that may be useful to our audience?
1: Well, I think the key thing is building an awesome team. Often the entrepreneur is not a very good operator because they're quite different skills. And because we've been publicly funded early on, I've always been out in front evangelizing the business and, and basically selling the business. So that means really right from the beginning, you had to have good operators inside the business. So I think making sure you build that diverse team with people that actually know how to operate businesses to scale and smart people who are working inside the business every day while you're out kind of driving things forward and uh, you know, creating opportunities is, is really key. So it's about you know, building a really good diverse team
0: when you talk about building a good team, what do you look for in in hiring?
1: You know, it's making it's not hiring people just like yourself. It's it's trying to build this diversity and different styles and personalities in different schools. You know, high-performing teams need a whole range of schools, whether it be sport or business. So it's um, building that collection of unique people that together can be awesome and deliver outstanding performance. And that's about having you know, thinking hard about what skills you need in that team and having, you know, good diversity of thoughts, of people, of ages, of experience, all that good stuff.
0: I'm curious, one thing that Tony Shea says is he doesn't hire anybody unless he'd have a beer with them. What What's your thoughts on that statement? I don't have time to drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah,
1: no, but I, I um, so to me, I'd I, I stand a big drinker, but we have a lot of fun at work. So I don't h I don't hire everybody who I enjoy, but I definitely you want to enjoy the people that you work with, but you also need to make sure you've got a very diverse team, right? So it's about balancing those things. So, you know, you certainly don't employ ourselves, which I think is what he's saying. But uh, uh I think it's much more about what I said earlier really around getting a good diverse team that together can do the job and uh works out how to work together well.
0: In terms of of management lessons and and leadership, what do you think it means to be be a great leader and somebody that is leading leading the ship? You know, you've got a thousand people team. What what advice can you give from that standpoint?
1: Well, I think you have to lead by example, and you know, we have a clear you know, you have to set the values of how you're going to play, and you know, create the kind of framework or charter that the business operates on because there's so many decisions. So you need have a framework for doing that. In terms of the way I work, I mean, I don't know how other people work, but I'm very much—I kind of have the vision, and can I can imagine what we need to do, and you know what the thing looks like, and and I think what what works really well at Zero why, why there's so many evangelists for Zero people who truly love Zero, is we have a really clear vision, and then we we incrementally deliver to that vision, so people get used to this flywheel of success as we keep seeing things having the courage to move in a direction and then execute on that. so I think the the way I sort of work is very much setting the vision bringing you know making it the team's vision and you know really listening and having a very open organization. so we keep, you know, I'm the biggest poster on our internal Yammer network as an example so always sharing and reinforcing where we're getting to and just showing them that someone really owns the success of the business and then you know you build a great team and try to foster that winning culture.
0: And I'm curious, with with your vision, has it always been the same from the start or has it changed over time?
1: I think the general direction is very similar. You know, because you have values and have things that you really want to um, achieve, but as you achieve more success, it just grows. So I think, if anything, the vision expands. In fact, if you had a said what we're doing now, you'd you'd go back sort of, eight years ago and say, that's crazy talk, so... You don't want to scare the horses too much by being too big. You want to sort of think big and then keep it to a horizon that people can actually, can feasibly see and then celebrate all the steps of success. And that starts to build the sort of confidence that, hey, we can actually do anything we want to do. So we, you know, at 50,000 customers. We put out a vision of a million customers. If we had a set of million customers and our prospectus people were going to go crazy. Mm. And now we're at sort of, you know, over four hundred thousand and you can kind of see it quite comfortably getting there. And you know, that's again seemed like a massive number a few years ago, but very quickly in technology you can you can get there.
0: I'm also curious around how you structure your day and set goals for yourself. Are you able to give us an insight around that?
1: I'm kinda I'm kinda of, walk around manager, so I kinda do of, to do any actual work. I just uh go to my meetings and um, you know, making sure I'm reinforcing the vision. You know, I've got people to catch up with and see what they're doing and checking in. But so I'm I'm pretty unstructured and uh, but I'm twenty four seven so I'm always watching what's going on and just sort of jumping in. I think, you know, someone needs a bit of a hand or to make sure that people are working on things that get us in the right direction. And I spend a lot of time I sort of heard it said, it's my job to say yes, because as you get big, corporates want to say no. So I'm much more of the view of how do you say yes to things how do you encourage people to try something different and take ownership and just run as fast as they can so I'm very much trying to unblock things and just keep the urgency going as much as I can so I tend to dart around the business because I've got great people running each part of it that frees me up to not be um, too prescriptive about my day.
0: I see and do you have any any Tricks or hacks around productivity that you you would recommend to that that has, that has helped you to get you know move really fast.
1: Yeah, do do exercise. You know, get out on your bike or have a swim. As you get older, it's more important, and your brain actually needs time to um, to assimilate things, and um, you can't do that with conscious thought. So, you know, I always find if I um, you know if I have a problem, by the time I'm riding back down the hill, I've I've got it solved. So. I think uh, keeping fit and um, doing a bit of exercise every day is really important. Mm,
0: that's a great one. And also, who who do you learn from? Who influences and helps you make some of your decisions? No, no one person. I, I
1: read lots. of you know have my RSS feed, so I read a lot of information every day. I've got you know my standard tech news feeds, and so you're continually refining your internal models. And reinforcing them depending on external news that happens. So I think it's actually the amount of news and business snippets I read is probably what I learn the most from. I think in New Zealand we haven't had a lot of other technology leaders to follow. So you take a chocolate out of every box, but there's certainly no no one person. And um, you know, a big part I you know talking to my other team leaders and bouncing ideas around. You know, is probably the most value I get from talking to other people.
0: Are there any books that you would recommend that that uh, have had a big impact on your life? Out of curiosity,
1: no, I'm not kind of, you uh, know, not really that into those business books. I usually give them a bit of the skin to get the points, and um, they normally just reinforce what you kind of know and natural rules anyway. So, I'm not a not a huge uh, there's not a huge lot of, a lot of uh, you know, there's no one or two books that I kind of take out, kind of kind of work without. But when I do read those, they all seem like pretty pretty obvious business things to try, right you know, having a clear vision, you know having a clear strategy, learning you know you can't hide from the numbers and um interesting i'm i'm forty eight now I've had done quite a lot of stuff in tech. you just end up you know having a pretty good set of internal models of how things work, and that gives you quite a lot of confidence to be able to make things happen and the biggest thing I've learned in business is actually making things happen. So picking up the phone, asking why, why aren't we doing it now, why is it going to take a week, why can't we do it today? Just driving urgency and actually getting things done puts you so far ahead of most other businesses that that you can win in, in a really significant way.
0: I'm getting this sense of feeling that you have a massive sense of urgency and do you believe that the most successful entrepreneurs are really fast at implementing things? That's something that I've come across from everyone that I've spoken to, the speed of implementation.
1: Yeah, no, it's urgent. Like I'm like, why aren't we doing it now, today? If I have a meeting in the morning, have you done it tonight? You know, I'm checking out a few hours later, why have you done it? And it frustrates the hell out of me. So I, I think it hasn't been done. So I'm incredibly urgent. I think velocity and cadence is an absolute competitive advantage because if you can make decisions fast, get your vision implemented, and that's why software is so great. Because you can move so fast, you can really change the game. And you just have just operating on a different kind of level of physics. Than most organisations.
0: I'm curious on your thoughts on the lean startup methodology.
1: Well, we're the opposite of that, right? We're massively funded startups, and that's our competitive advantage. So it's horses for courses. And if you don't need money, of course, you have to be lean. But then there's other businesses like ours where raising you know three hundred million dollars allows us to build a business that very few people can. not So we don't have any real direct competitors. We're just competing against incumbents. There's no other business software, small business software company that's had anywhere like the funding we had. And if they did get it, we would see them coming now for three to five years. So I don't think it's. The, so I think lean, lean is uh, is one model that's interesting, and by necessity, startups often have to do that. But, as you gain more experience, you find there's a whole lot of other models as well.
0: out of all your success, what do you value the most?
1: being able to go surfing <laughs>
0: how How often do you go surfing?
1: as much as I can, so I' decided to live pretty close to a beach and uh and you know try to make that an active part of part of my week, so most weekends and uh you know I work from home a day or two a week. And, you know, the best days are when you're doing sort of phone calls overseas and then go out for a wave. You know, nothing better than that.
0: Yeah, no, that that's great that you actually take a break. How many hours do you say you work a day? You said 24-7. Like, how often do you sleep?
1: Probably sleep six or seven hours, but I'm emailing from as soon as I wake up till as soon as I go to bed. Mm. But I also make sure I go for a swim, you know, spend time with the family. And I just, you know, work and life is just completely blurred. Mm. And it always has been.
0: That's probably a good segue. What has been some of the biggest challenges with with zero that that you've faced, and how have you overcome them?
1: I think the biggest one was you know doing our IPO in the very beginning. That was that gave us the capital to move forward and you know raise our first fifteen. And as I said, I think we've raised over three hundred so far. I think it's always you know it's always going to be people and making sure you're getting great people. Dealing with people. you know. And because you're growing so fast, you actually outgrow people quite quickly. So what I've learned is to be very active. You know, so we've had even at the board level, we've had on our third chairman, because you know, going from a startup to a New Zealand scaling company to a global company are all three quite distinct phases. So even at the board level, we've been active around you know keeping refreshing the board, so it's always got the appropriate talent for the stage of life of the business. I think doing that around our leadership team as well. So we tend to put people in early and then let them build their teams underneath them, rather than build a team and put a manager on top. So, you know, I think that it's always people are always going to be the biggest challenge, but it's been
0: pretty good. And what sacrifices have you had to make to get where you are today? What, what have you had to give up?
1: Well, you know, I haven't had I haven't had massive holidays. I, I don't sort of take big breaks and you know, go around the world and sort of flop around and lie on a beach. I tend to be work most of the time. But, you know, still that, I have plenty of time with the family and all those sort of things. So, you know, work for me, and you know, I basically have work and family. Those are the two things. And, and I do that 24-7, so I don't usually travel for pleasure. No interest in it, because I'm on an airplane so much anyway. So, And I think, you know, when you're doing an international business from New Zealand, you do have, you know, quite a bit of time away from the family. That's probably the hardest thing. And not not having that regular weekly, like I'm in the same town every week, week upon week, and you join the local sports clubs and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of, you know, I sleep in one city or sleep in one town and work in a whole lot of other ones. So, I think that um, that kind of stability of just having a um, you know one place that you live and work in is what you give up when you're doing these global jobs. You're just travelling constantly, and you know you have a few nights a week away from home. You know, which isn't fun. It's been a lot of time in
0: a Yeah, look, um, we have to work towards wrapping up uh, a couple last questions. One: What are three action items you would give to early stage startup founders and novice entrepreneurs?
1: Well, I think they have to build your own personal brand. So you have to, you know, stand for something and get active in your community and do something which is good that inspires others or shows that you take a real interest in moving things forward. And uh, I think that's important if you're an entrepreneur. You can't sort of be a shrinking violet. You've got to get out there and make a difference. Third thing is, you know, you've really got to build your networks. And uh, I always think about that as more paying it forward. It's not about the number of people you know. I try to think about when I meet people, who do I know that can help this person? And always making introductions and trying to create opportunities around people I meet. So you're actually providing value to people in your network. I think that's really important. And then the third thing is just making sure you balance things out and enjoy the journey because it's you, you know, the prize isn't the reward at the very end. The prize is actually doing it and the enjoyment of being part of a team that's, you know, kicking ass globally. It's
0: awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. Those are some great ones. Last question is, is how do you guys differentiate yourself from your competitors?
1: Well, it's really us versus the incumbent. So, you know, we're just a next-generation company that our customers enjoy and love. So, you know, we get word and mouth effects because of the way that we deal with our customers and the beautiful experiences we've created
0: for those customers. Awesome. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Rod. It's been an absolute pleasure. The Founder Podcast has come to a close, but it's not time to sleep. It's time to hustle. Download the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine for free right now by visiting foundermag.com slash Branson. Again, that's an absolutely free download of the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine containing an exclusive interview with the man himself. It's only available at foundermag.com slash Branson. So download it now and we'll see you next time on the Founder Podcast.